Hello and welcome to They Did What Now, a show that celebrates the ballsiest moves in history. So every week we talk about various uh, hold my beer moments, extreme examples of extra, and the strange things people do when they're just done with nonsense. Uh, Yes, I am still reading off that checklist, and this week my excuse is that the show is too big to be summarized in a single sentence. I, I will never be able to succinctly describe the, the enormity of the concept. Um, anyway, I am your self-loathing narcissist, um, I mean host, MJ Stokes. Uh, the way it works is every episode I talk to one of my favorite comedians, writers, performers, or just other people I find interesting about their favorite stories which fit the above criteria and then I uh, I share one of my own. So today I am here with Ollie Reardon. Hey, how's it going? Um, Ollie is a comedian, uh, an absolutely fabulous one. He's got some amazingly queer and filthy theological bits that just fill me with utter delight every time that I hear them. Uh, but unfortunately is moving to bigger and brighter things in London very soon. So I don't know if the, if the stars align and he's performing while you're over there, uh, definitely uh, go and see him. So uh, the way this works is we both go in cold. Uh, Ollie, you have a short, spoiler-free elevator pitch for me, which is... Um, potential for loopholes when a man was declared legally dead in court in person. A man was declared legally dead in court in person. Okay, that is that is just absolutely delightful. Um, so would you like to uh, elaborate on that? Yeah, of course. Um, thank you very much for having me on the show. No problem. Um, thank you for being here. It's been my like lifelong ambition to be on this. Uh, absolutely. We got that since, a lot. Ever since I heard about it three days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just one of my favorite stories. I, I love loopholes. I love the ballsy like stories. Um, I accumulate them. Um, Fantastic and- repository of them. I've got like four ideas for the next couple of episodes that I'm mercilessly stealing. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, but yeah, this was uh, a guy in I, relatively recently. I want to say it was in 2013 um, in Ohio. Uh, of course, where, it's America. Yeah, of course. Um, a man went. Uh, he he went missing basically, um, and was declared dead um, because he he disappeared thirty years ago. Okay. Um, left his uh, wife and two children, um, and yeah, just disappeared. Gone for was, for thirty years. Yeah, um, was declared legally dead in nineteen ninety four, um, and then came back in 2005 and uh, attempted to apply for a driving license. Okay. Um, so so just with, with zero explanation of wh- where have you been, Mr. Smith, it's just like, no, I'm just going to rock up. And yeah. just, uh, my, my license expired sometime before I disappeared into the void. Better get that, that sorted out. Exactly. So, um, yeah, his name is uh, Donald Miller. Um, and... Yeah, he just upped and left, um, left a significant amount of debt. Um, they always then, do. Yeah. And then came back um, 30 years later and then a judge said in court um, that death rulings cannot be overturned after three years. 
Um, so, so you've got three years. If you that just just for any, anyone who happens to find themselves legally dead in Ohio, d- don't do it for more than three years. Just like maybe t- two years, six months tops. Leave that grace period for the bureaucracy before yeah, of you course. kind of make your return to the land of the living. Yeah, and but he found this out in person um (laughs) and so so he was taken to court um because obviously he wants his driver's license he wants to get uh to be declared legally alive again and the judge just said i'm sorry uh we can't i actually have a quote here um this and it's amazing uh we've got the obvious here a man sitting in the courtroom he appears to be in good health i don't know where that leaves you but you're still deceased as far as the law is concerned. <laughs> so, well, like, do, do we have any info about what this guy, sorry, his name was Donald Miller? Yeah. Do, do we have any idea what, what Donald was doing while he was just gone for 30 years? Does he, history relate? I think he said that, well, in what he said was, um, I just kind of took off, ended up in a in different places. Of course. Um, you know, it doesn't want to like nail it down. We've but, all been there. Yeah, of course. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I, I did once wake up after a three day bender in a small village outside of Gal- Galway, but you know, I, those, those three days, you know, thir- 30 years does seem a little bit much. I mean, three days you could have like in that time you could have gone to heaven and come back. True that. Um, I don't know the exact distance on that. You're the, you're the theology person. <laughs> I'll have to take your word on it. Um, but so um, the, the obviously estranged wife of Mr. Miller um, said that uh, obviously estranged <laughs> said that um, she was satisfied with the ruling. Um, because, Probably wished he was dead anyway. Of course she was. Um Anything that made it harder for him. Uh, yeah, and obviously, like... So, actually, Mr. Um, Donald Miller came back home and was told that he was declared dead by his parents. Okay. So, he told... <laughs> so he just rocked up to his mother and father's house and was like, hey, yeah. it's been a while. Who I imagine by this point are quite elderly. Yeah. Um, but, so he... I'm not sure if he did... He had the opportunity to take it to federal court. Um, I'm not sure if he did, but what I love about this story is, as I said before, the potential for loopholes. Okay. Because he is legally dead, and you cannot prosecute a dead person. He can do basically whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Well, that's, that, <laughs> see, that is what I, that's what my lawyer, like, if I'd come back after 30 years and said, and been declared legally dead, and they said, sorry, you can't, like, my immediate reaction would be like, okay, so what if I shot you? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I, I, absolutely. You know, you just go and... Uh, I, well, the, the first thing I would do would be to steal everything that isn't nailed down. I probably wouldn't leap straight to murder. We'd give that maybe maybe a week or so after I got bored. But, I don't know. I go in, you know, <laughs> like all guns blazing. But yeah, it's, just straight out of the gate. I don't know. I, I probably... Lots of shoplifting first off. Um, maybe, you can't maybe, touch me, I'm dead. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like do your worst, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, you're gonna you're gonna prosecute me? Good luck. But honestly, like like uh, like that would be my first thing to say in court is if you don't declare me legally alive, you cannot touch me for crimes. You just yeah. like there's an excellent blackmail potential there. Is that blackmail? You I know? think 
it's it comes under that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like declare me legally alive, or I am just going to be the biggest legal nightmare you have ever experienced. Yeah. I I just I just love love the idea of him just going. Okay, I'm legally dead now. Okay, uh, I'm going to. I mean, is it squatting if you're living on a graveyard as a dead man? <laughs> <laughs> like, like what? I mean, there are other places you could squat if you're immune from prosecution. You know, I'd this want is, to this live in a is possibly. Yeah, true. True. That would be cool. That would be metal as fuck. Um, but, you know, the, possibly some sort of solution to the housing crisis. You know, just have everyone declared legally dead would take about. How, how long do you have to be missing to be legally dead in Ireland? No idea. I don't know. I, I'm definitely going to have to Google that. Um, but while I Google question. that, while I Google that, because I need to know the answer for this. Um, so what what did the what did he do then? Did he just take this lying down, so to speak? Or? <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, and there are surprisingly few. Uh, there are surprisingly few like like details about what happened. Um, I mean, presumably he's still dead, um, which is <laughs> either which is, either way, which is an odd <laughs> sentence to say. Like anything presumably. that you can say about this man is, you know, you're talking about a dead man. Yeah. It all becomes so absurd. He ha- he has to be. He- Whatever, whatever he is, he is past tense. He's legally a ghost. Uh, <laughs> that is like if he's if he stays in any like place for a prolonged amount of time, he is haunting that place. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm, just, I'm just I'm haunting by default. We can't be charged with loitering either. Presumably not. Presumably no. not. I just love the idea of him being picked up for loitering and going. Actually, I think you'll find I'm haunting the parking lot of this Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> I'd love that. Honestly, uh, I I would love to. I'd love to haunt places, like that. Like that is that is a goal for me to just like I you know I don't care about moving on and finding peace. Oh I'm no, absolutely not. Ab- you 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 gotta just fuck with people. I don't yeah. know. I I'd be. I'd, I'd, I'd like to be a capricious ghost. You know, I'm I'm kind of like a chaotic neutral ghost. You know, sometimes I'll just help you out. You know. Where are my keys? Oh, there they are. Thank you, ghost. And then other times I'm just going to wreck your room before you have someone back. Just for the fuck of it. Yeah, and just watch them try to explain and be like, honestly, it it was tidy before you got here. (laughs) See the other person go, yeah, sure. That's that's probably a very, very tame example (laughs) of what you could do do when you're haunting. Um, Definitely, I'll have to wait. I'm, I'm having a great day. Um, so I'll have to wait until I'm very, very pissed off and then edit in another example <laughs> of just some, some utter fuckery, you know, just go. I steal individual socks in- from pairs. Are you sure that this doesn't already happen? Whoa. Whoa. It just blew my mind. We've just, we've just solved an mouth. age old mystery. <laughs> um, it's presumably still dead. I did have a cat that we think rose from the grave. Oh. Very kind of pet cemetery style. We, um... We had this cat called, uh, my mother named her Gypsy. Okay. A very problematically named cat. Um, I named the other cat Liam Neeson just because I wanted to say, um, Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson has pissed on the floor. So yeah, named, named my cat when I was 16 for a throwaway joke and now possibly a more problematic name than Gypsy. 
When you were reading those, like, news stories, were you going, my cat did what? <laughs> my cat was wandering through town, like... With a hammer. I mean, I mean, the cat's a bitch, let's not mince words about it, but not racist as far as I know. Um, but we discovered a, a body of a rather bloodied black and white cat... Um, at the at the edge of our garden, and we're just, I was heartbroken because she she was a rescue and she didn't really trust people. And like the week before, she had finally let me pet her. Uh-huh. So I I really I just cried um, so much. And we buried her in a in a little meadow at the at the back, and um, just ha- like my my brother had a little service, and then then uh, three days later, she turned up looking for food. You never want to ask yourself the question who the hell did we bury (laughs) (laughs) that is never a question you want to ask yourself um so here's here's an interesting story just um so uh in i want to say the victorian era um people were so terrified of being buried alive that there would be um tubes leading from coffins to the surface so that if someone was accidentally buried that they could call out for help Mm. Um, and in a sort there was of cruel... little bells sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well, wasn't it? And there? in cruel twists of fate, though, um, it's thought that this is where like the weird, like thing, like the weird stories of voices coming from graveyards seems to have come from. So, in the unlikely like chance that someone was buried alive, um, and they did call for help they were likely just to be ignored because they were like, oh shit, haunting's going on. Fair. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Um, according to the citizens' information, uh, the general, there's no hard and fast rule, rule in Ireland for how long it takes you to be declared legally dead. Um, but generally an application can be made to the high court after seven years. So if we all just hid out for seven years... <laughs> got our families to file a couple of applications and just came back and just squatted all Dublin City. I mean, I'm just that, saying it's an option. That is... I mean, it's a long con. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it requires it requires some patience, certainly, but, um, yeah, I, I can't see... I mean, see, you to assume there'll still be a planet in seven years. This is very true. This is very, very true. I, I feel know. like this is probably the bleakest episode. Oh, it's we've done not. Yet. You wait until you. The episode that myself and Ali O'Rourke did on Olga of Kiev hasn't come out yet. But um, I, I got to fulfill one of my greatest life's ambitions, which was to say, tweet, tweet, boom, motherfuckers. Um, on air, so um, oh cool! I'll, I'll You've fill, said I'll it fill, twice now. I've said it twice now, so uh, I'll fill I'll fill you in on that later. Everyone else, go back and listen. Um, this that one will have come out before this, um, but yeah, Ollie, thank you very much for uh, for sharing that. Not a problem, thank you. Awesome. So um, I have a story. Um, Ollie, how familiar are you with Virginia Hall? Not at all. Okay. Uh, this is a World War II story. Um, it is a truth universally acknowledged that any podcast that touches on history will eventually have to do a World War II story. Um, but this lady's entire life is a base, basically one uh, dated what now. And so she was also known at her height as the Limping Lady and the Madonna of the Mountains. And she was a spy during World War II. 
and widely held to be one of the most important allied figures in organizing the resistance in Vichy France. Oh, awesome. So she's um, she's quite the figure. Um, she's kind of had a little bit of a, a renaissance in recent years. There's an excellent book out on her by uh, Sonia Prunel uh, called A Woman of No Importance, and apparently there's a, a film in the works, which, um, yeah, you'll see why. Um, so she was born in 1906 in Baltimore in Maryland, into a, a very kind of rich family. Uh, the halls would have been gracing the society pages and, you know, drop a handkerchief in the wrong way. And it's a scandal, a scandal, I tell you. Um, Virginia wasn't having much of that. Um, she was to be, you know, quiet and married and whatnot. Um, this would not have suited her personality. Um, she described herself as capricious and cantankerous. And, uh, Possibly the best way to describe her personality in her youth was that she once went to school wearing a bracelet of live snakes, okay. according to an article I found on NPR. Um, right. This was not an isolated incident, apparently. <laughs> so that, mean, that's your first yeah. <laughs> clue. Um, so she, Hang on, a necklace? No, a bracelet. A bracelet. A bracelet, oh, okay. which is Because a necklace would have been ridiculous. Well... Yeah, sure, a necklace of live snakes, that's taking the piss. But a bracelet is fine. Possibly an anklet would be okay, too. Were they tied together? Uh, yes. Okay, that, that's cruel <laughs> to me. Yeah, there is a little bit of animal cruelty. And this is becoming a theme in this podcast. I want to say I don't is condone... It? Yeah, yeah. again, go back and listen to Olga of Kiev, okay. and you will see exactly what I mean. Tweet, tweet, boom. Um, we're going to get that on t-shirts. I love it. Um... But she was very gifted with languages, and she studied at Radcliffe and Bernard. Um, she went to Paris in the 20s, kind of fell, fell in love with the place, with the culture. We're talking jazz age. Um, and she decided, fuck the, the married and quiet bit, I want to be a diplomat. Um, she wanted to travel the world, so she applied to the State Department and really doesn't end up with a lot. She, despite her grades, despite... Um, the fact that I think she spoke four languages at this point fluently, uh, she just gets a lot of clerical and secretarial work because woman of course, and yeah. in the 19th, at this point we are in the late 1930s. Um, so she finally manages to get a position in Turkey and then um, she shoots herself in the foot. Um, I mean, she literally yeah, shoots yeah, herself yeah. in the foot. She was hunting a grouse in a swamp in, uh, near yeah, <laughs> again, again, yeah. animal cruelty, I apologize. And uh, she shoots herself in the foot with a 12-gauge shotgun at point-blank range. Ooh. Yeah, doesn't have much of a foot I mean, after that. When you said grouse, I was, th uh, you know, before before you said grouse, I was thinking, okay, maybe like a rifle or something, no. which would have been bad enough. No, 12-gauge shotgun right in the foot. Um, so she had to have the leg amputated. Oh. Uh so she got a wooden leg called Cuthbert. Um, she she called her wooden leg Cuthbert. Oh, back I, in the days when you would name your prostheses. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I appreciate people who name who name inanimate objects. Um, my mic is called Clarence. Um, he's kind of basic and a little broken, but we love him anyway. Um, I I have a lot of friends like that. Uh, Hello. <laughs> so um, prostheses prostheses. Fake limbs uh, in these days are a little basic, 
Um, so this thing is attached with leather straps and a corset okay. to her. Um, so if she walked too far with this thing, um, it would kind of rub up against the stump. Uh, there was chafing and bleeding. Yeah. Uh, this will become very relevant later. Um, so she she applied to take the oral exam uh, for the diploma for the diplomatic service and was uh, denied specifically because of her disability. So she was pretty pissed off. Um, now, fortunately for her, and unfortunately for many other people, including six million Jews, uh, World War II started, and yeah. America, Pearl Harbor happened. America was brought in, and she volunteered to become an ambulance driver in Lyon. And during that time, she was just had a chance encounter uh, with a member of the Br- British Secret Service. I'm just imagining someone just like screaming at her, "Step on it." <laughs> She she probably would have appreciated that. Uh, by all accounts, she had a sense of humor about the thing. Um, How often do you think she said, "You're gonna kick yourself"? Like, <laughs> um, I don't know, but apparently, when she was uh, when she did eventually get to run a, a network of spies, she was legendary for giving, and I quote, "Homeric bollockings," right? Which is just a wonderful way to describe uh, giving out to someone. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not sure if that refers to how epic the rants were or their length. Uh, okay. Possibly both. Um, so she, she... Or the fact that it's not actually sure if she actually gave them and it yeah. wasn't just like told from <laughs> someone else. It's, it's very much a matter of legend. I mean, I mean, you can mythologize her life quite a bit. It's quite easy because, yeah. Um, also so not based on Homer Simpson. Not based on Homer Simpson. As far as, unless the, the later seasons of The Simpsons are going to take a very odd turn, which, <laughs> let's be honest, they are really stretching at this point. Anything's possible. And um, so she, once she is recruited and gets to Leon, she stays in a convent for a bit and recruits a bunch of nuns um, before moving to a brothel for a bit and recruiting a bunch of prostitutes. Um, kind of trying to cover all the bases there. Yeah, um, what's the difference? She has to, what's the difference indeed? <laughs> Uh, our national legacy. Um, but she has to do this uh, because two days after she arrives, most of the operatives in Vichy get run in um, this part of Vichy France get rounded up. And uh, yeah, so she's got to, I possibly, am I messing up the dates here? All her colleagues are getting rounded up anyway. So mm-hmm. she's got to rebuild a network entirely from scratch. Uh, mostly women, she recruits in hair salons. Uh, the prostitutes end up being the mother load for her uh, because they, they're they getting all sorts of information from German soldiers. Um, also an STI specialist who apparently got, got, a lot of, got a lot of information that way, I guess. Intimate moments, maybe? Yeah, not. I presume so. Presumably. Um, anyway, she... Uh, apparently, I imagine could, that's not going to be like you know you're talking about your work. It's going to be the least embarrassing thing. It's like it's, it's just like, like anything, literally any conversation I could make right now that isn't about my penis falling off. Yeah. So those those secret codes, huh? <laughs> also, you're never going to admit that to your superiors. No. As well. True. This is all like, did you give any secrets away? Uh, no. 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 Not not that I can think of. Absolutely not. Uh, but she was, she was very skilled at disguise. Apparently could be four different women in the space of an afternoon. So one of the her biggest claims to, f- to fame is the Mozak prison break. So she broke out uh, 12 
Allied spies, and we still don't know how she did it. Um, the information is still classified. But we do know that it involved a 70-year-old French priest with no legs, a woman with messages and tools included in jars of jam, and a radio transmitter concealed somewhere. Right. So let your imagination run wild on that one, I yeah, guess. Yeah, of course. Um, so she got in, got him out with wire cutters. So in 1942, the Nazis start closing on honour. And she ends up traipsing for 50 miles across three days in heavy snow over the Pyrenees on foot with her wooden leg. Right. Yeah. Now, as as a disabled person, I really am very, very sick of inspirational stories. Um, But yeah, I I, I feel... I'm I'm not trying to say, oh, well, Virginia Hall managed to go across the Pyrenees with a wooden leg. You should be getting out of bed, but it's 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 fucking impressive. So, yeah, blood is pouring for her from her stump over um, right. by the second day. Um, she sent a message back to uh, England saying Cuthbert is giving me trouble. And they responded, have him eliminated. <laughs> Which, presumably the response to that is easier said than done, you fucks. <laughs> But yeah, Cuthbert oh. is giving you trouble. Have him eliminated. <laughs> what a response! Also, the they, un- they they didn't know that Cuthbert was the lim- no, wooden I, leg. I understand that, but just the the fact that obviously there was a, a fair amount of um, trust put in her because she didn't even like mention a second name, and they were like, "Well, this oh, person yeah. obviously clearly, needs to be killed. you know, we 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 know also, this woman, Cuthbert. Cuthbert is a very you know." sort of Anglo name. Yeah. So presumably, like, you, you know, you're not going to assume <laughs> that that's one of the Germans. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, it's just this random soldier I, ha- I have with me who's just pissing me off a little bit. Just kill him. Like, yeah. Just kill him. Get rid of him. Whatever makes you more comfortable, Virginia. Just uh, just get that fucker gone. Um, so she, <laughs> she arrives in Spain, gets arrested for not having the right passport and is just kind of... right leg. <laughs> her left leg actually okay my uh, left leg. Uh, yeah yeah okay um i'm not sure actually i should possibly look that up um but she is then deported back to the uk where they very quietly give her an mbe um at which point she uh retires quietly and uh is is never seen again except that's not what happened at all she got really bored and they wouldn't let her go back Oh really? Yeah, she was oh, really, wonderful. really pissed off. She, what, like she was barely recovered at this point, and she was leaving to go back into the field. They said no, so she said, "Sure, fine, you know, you're, you're absolutely right, cool," and then goes to the Americans. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, literally anything I can do to get back into the war zone. Um, so behind the uh, the UK's back, essentially, she starts talking to the Americans and is now trying to sneak out of the UK to sneak into France again. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so she gets a makeup artist to paint wrinkles on her skin. And this is, for, for me, with my, I have a serious dentist phobia. For, for okay. me, this is more alarming than the trek across the Pyrenees. Um, in order to make this believable that she is an old French woman rather than an American with lovely straight white teeth, um, she goes to a dentist in London and has them file her teeth down to stumps. Oh, no. Which just, no. 
no, why, why? The, the, the bleeding stump I could take, the snake bracelet I could take, but this, this, no, no, absolutely not. I mean, is it too obvious a pun to say, you know, there's such thing as committing too far to the bit? But... <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. <laughs> um, so she gets back, um, coordinates a network of 1,500 resistance fighters. Um, so quite small. Yeah. Quite quite small. You know, a, a tight-knit group, yeah. shall we say. And... Um, I imagine no one wants to piss her off. She's no. sort of like, no, she'll beat you to death with her leg. Oh, also the story of how she got back into France is, is fantastic. She had to sneak past the UK <laughs> security as well. So an American operative um, went went into the UK, went behind SOE's back, got her to a port. I think it was uh, kind of a small inlet cove, mm-hmm. I, I think, in the southeast. Put her into a dinghy and uh, basically she went across in a little motorboat to Brittany because like, they couldn't parachute her in because of the leg right, right so right. yeah I just, I just love she she had to be smuggled out of one country and into another um, because the lady got bored yeah. basically but when she approached the Americans like that she was a legend by this point and they went fuck yeah we'll have you <laughs> absolutely um, so there she remained until the end of the war uh, when she she did retire reasonably quietly um, depending on who you ask, she either got a nice, quiet desk job with the CIA or continued uh, coordinating resistance fighters behind the Iron Curtain. Uh, we don't know. Those records have not been made available yet. Uh, but she, there hasn't been much of a story about her uh, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because woman and because 1940s. Mm-hmm. But she was, she was also kind of quiet about it. She didn't want to talk about it. When asked, she would just say, I know many people who were killed for talking right? and shut up, um, which it really does not broker any conversation. No, that's uh, a, a conversation. No, right no. Um, you can imagine just the, her with a look of steel dread in her eye <laughs> yeah. with her filed down teeth, which I, I like to think that afterwards you may have filed into points or something. That's that nice would have been image. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, retired in 1966 and uh, died in 1982 without much fanfare. Um, didn't like to talk about it. Apparently, people are killed for talking, but she's dead now, so now we can. Yeah. So yeah, that is uh, that's Virginia Hall. I really hope so. So there, like World War Two was awash with these characters. Yeah. Um, I mean, very few that I've heard where I've gone, wow, that that <laughs> is incredible. I really hope she met Mad Jack Churchill at one point. Who was? That would be pretty cool. Are you, are you aware of Mad Jack? Churchill. Um, I am vaguely. Yeah, he he once said that an officer is um not prepared to go into battle unless he has his sword, um, <laughs> and would often go into battle with a longbow and bagpipes. Okay, of um, course. Yeah, and then later on in life, when he had returned um to the UK, um was often seen to throw his briefcase um out the window of the train as he was going home because he was able to throw it right into his garden so he didn't have to carry it back um but this is a this is a um, true story um and i'm gonna be very quick here okay um, 
my my great granddad um, was a British intelligence officer during World War Two. Really? Um, and was and this is my final like big balls um, story <laughs> uh, because he was an authority on faking fingerprints. Okay. Because um, he was before he before he joined the army. Oh, please, uh, please he, tell me everything you know in case I can't have myself declared legally dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, he was an artist uh, before he joined the RAF. Okay. Um, and was also a pacifist before he joined the RAF until he found out what was going on. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, he uh, he he learned all this, like all these different techniques for um, forging fingerprints and forging documents, and then decided to write a book about it. Okay. Uh, tried to get it published in the UK, to which they said. No. Yeah, um, obviously. Please then, don't do that. Yeah, and then tried to get it published in the United States, um, to which I said, no, and also you're not allowed in our country. <laughs> uh, so that's the story. About that my, we've been warned. That's the story about how my great grandfather um, was banned, banned from, from the, the US. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is fabulous. That, that is the best reason to be banned from the United States. Pretty good, yeah. Okay. And did I did actually end up um, publishing a book um, about uh, how to make your own uh, sock puppets? <laughs> From fingerprints to sock puppets. Yeah, yeah. he was an he artist. Kinda, he took a turn. He, he was took an a artist. turn. Okay, cool. So what have we learned? Uh, we've learned that it is apparently possible to haunt things while you have a pulse, which is cool information. Uh, seven years is, you know, if, if anyone else wants to join me in hiding out for seven years while we all wait to be declared legally dead. I know I've just said this on a podcast now, but, you know, who's going who's gonna to prove it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, once it's, once it's happened, you know, yeah. there's nothing they can do. I may have uh, shot myself in the foot here a little bit, but not literally <laughs> with back. the 12-gauge callback. <laughs> not literally with a 12-gauge shotgun. Um... Yeah, we, we've learned now. it's really difficult to get across a bunch of mountains with a wooden leg strapped to you, um, but it is apparently possible. Also, I'm terrified of dentists. Okay, um, well, I thank you so much for that. Not a problem. Uh, thank I you really very appreciate much for having it. Um, so we have uh, episodes every two weeks now. Um, we are now on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram um, at They Did What Now Pod. And if you'd like to tweet us, uh, message us, whatever, if you've got an idea for a story, if you've one that wants to be told, please do let us know. Um, Ollie, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, my own ballsy move, which is okay. that, um, yeah, I'm moving to London in two days and only just started packing today. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, fair. You, yeah. you you had post office trouble Yes. Today. We've also learned that the Irish post office is pretty... Pretty incompetent, and the uh, the customer service isn't great, which yeah. really really wasn't much of a, a secret or a but, surprise to anyone. You know, the branch shall remain uh, Fibsborough um, <laughs> Post Office, yeah. and you can just hear their customer service plummeting uh, uh, <laughs> as I say that. Uh, <laughs> although as someone who did work in, in customer service in the private sector and had to basically... Uh, I, I worked for a... Um, a large UK-based mobile network that will just call all the things in all the places and uh, an outsourced call centre that will just refer to as a bunch of cunts. And yeah, the, the level of arse-licking we were expected to do. I, I'm now almost in awe of places with terrible customer services. Mm. It feels like an act of resistance to me. 
And you're proficient at analingus. I am indeed. I am indeed. <laughs> I, I, I'd like everyone to know that, in fact. I'm not, I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> oh, uh, things in, I never in, thought I'd ever say. Uh, for well, 100, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in a previous episode, we learned how I could uh, put on a strap on in under 10 seconds. So I'm just feeling pretty That's great about my nice. life. You know? <laughs> I did it for a bit. Okay, I did it. Yeah, anyway. For 10 um, seconds. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.